you pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where boo bisons. I'm your host, Justin M. Lesneski, the hopeful romantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show, perhaps most of all about football and Mac Jones. Uh, I just watched the Patriots get the ball back down five points and Mac Jones led a game-winning touchdown drive. Uh, I don't think I've seen that since 2018 with the, the final form of the Brady Belichick dynasty, so it was good to see that this year, but I'm ready to give Mac Jones millions and millions of dollars right now, which is probably why I am not in charge of those things. What I am in charge of is coming up with content for this show, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know what kind of a show we have right now because the thing I'm most excited about is one of the trailers, and it's not that I have a lot to say about the trailer, it's just that I really want to see the movie and it's right in my wheelhouse. So why don't we just bring in my co-host? Joining me this trip from a place of harmony and his corner office, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello. Well, uh, it's raining here. I, I, as a recent transplant Men. from L.A., I don't know what that is, uh, but it's actually there's actually water falling from the sky. It's crazy. So um, from Florida, I just want to tell California that that is a normal thing. Whew, I'm, I'm a little You're scared, okay. but actually, you know what? People up here actually are driving responsibly in the rain. Yeah. So that's a, that's a, that is a huge difference from Southern California. Well, does it rain more <laughs> in Northern California than yeah. it does in Southern California? In the winter it does. Yeah. Yeah. It actually rains. I mean, it, it rains for like one week in LA, right? Like there's one week if of rain that. and yeah. And there, there's rivers in the streets and cause there's no, you know, no, uh, we don't crown any of the roads in LA. Um, and there's actually a greenery around you, correct? Yeah, I have trees and stuff, so it's great. Yeah, wow. Mountains, trees, uh, rivers. So, yeah, grandmother's house. Yeah, grandmother's house. We go. Yeah, exactly. It's (laughs) get you in the fall Christmas spirit already out here. But uh, it. it, uh, So Justin and I went to a. uh, I went to a corn maze this weekend with uh, with uh, one of my friends and their little baby daughter, and uh, had a lot of fun. Um, But. Man, I think inflation is hitting us pretty hard. Here I am in, in a small, very, you know, small Northern California town. Guess how much kettle corn was? $15. You are correct. That's Disney prices, my friend. It's like wait, 20 wait, cents. Was that right on the, was that yeah. right on the nose? It was, it was $10 for plain and like $12 for, uh, for uh, flavored. So... So well, you, you correctly figured out how I, I ballparked it. Yeah, yeah, you went Disney prices. <laughs> but, like, I can't help but think about, can you, like, the the actual popcorn is, like, maybe 20 cents, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, that is yeah. an incredible mark. I am changed. I'm, forget sandwiches. The markup on popcorn is where it's at. Uh, but you know what, Justin? No one was buying it. So... Uh, I don't know. I don't know if uh, maybe I can undercut them. Maybe I can uh, sell it for eight fifty, and uh, next next year uh, we can we can uh, have some uh, some uh, the midside kettle corn available. Yeah, and eventually that stuff will sort of stabilize in that way, and, or people will stop buying those things. Disney only gets away with it because they're called Disney, and also because they're in Florida. Like people probably wonder how I have an annual pass and go to Disney as often as I do. It's because having lived in California and now moving to Florida, living in Florida, it it's basically comparable to just a normal lifestyle in yeah. California. Yeah. And I don't I don't mean I'm living a California lifestyle in Florida. What I mean is. The price of eating at Disney is the price of going out to eat in California, California. normally. Yeah. So even going to Disney a couple times a month is cheaper than just living in California for a month. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm gonna blame I'm gonna blame uh, I'm gonna blame those greedy capitalists for uh, selling the popcorn at at uh, ten and twelve dollars. Oh, you're not gonna blame climate change? Oh wait, maybe maybe it is climate change. 
That's true. I didn't consider that. Although, it, it, you know, it's always funny, you know, the signs they have to put up. They did have a sign uh, reminding people not to eat the corn that was on the corn stalks. And I had to explain to one of my friends that was with me, yeah, this is field corn, not sweet corn, and you don't want to eat it. Because <laughs> it doesn't taste good. <laughs> I mean, and All it's right. not cooked. Well, yeah, I mean, that would be the first thing for me. Like, I wouldn't just be grabbing cro- crops off the stalk and eating it because it's not cooked. <laughs> but, you know, that's me. I guess I don't live in California anymore where... I need to do that because of how high the cost of living is. But I do live in Florida where they're talking about climate change and how high the water level is. Let's get into it in Life on the Midside. As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. That's the midside.com slash Patreon or the midside.com slash Locals. We accept any and all support, including and perhaps most of all, affirmations. The first bit of farce, William, that I wanted to talk to you about hits... uh, host emeritus daniel's sweet spot but it also hits my sweet spot of can we please stop making it look like florida is absolutely terrible and the worst place to live on the planet earth this article says a new study projects sea level rise to drain florida's financial future obviously they're blaming the sea level rise on global warming but here's some of what the study says One million Florida properties are projected to become chronically flooded, properties that today fund nearly 30% of local revenues for more than half of the state's municipalities, according to a new study conducted by researchers at Cornell and Florida State Universities. As sea level rise drowns those properties, the state can expect to lose a combined assessed value of 619 Rey Mysterio billion this century. The study's authors write, and that state and that figure is likely a significant underestimation. I, w- William, before I even go further, why did they estimate it at six hundred nineteen billion? If that's a significant underestimation, that does not seem very scientific to me. Yeah. Well, and what's the time frame here? Are we talking like ten years? Like, which is normally uh, the alarmism is usually at 10 years. Is it 20 years? Is it 50 years? Is it 100 years? Is it a million years? Because we know, I mean, we know that we're coming out of an ice age, right? Like, the the, the sea levels are going to rise in the long term. So, I mean, eventually Florida will be underwater. I mean, Florida's already a wetland. Yeah, Florida's been underwater. People don't realize. Like, I, I tell people when they come here, the reason there are so many man-made, like, lakes and ponds is so the water gets sucked out of the swampland and you can actually build on it. Nobody has a basement here because yeah, everything yeah. is below or at sea level. Yeah. Like, maybe we'll just figure out how to build around it. But the I... reason, William, it's so undefined, as you're saying, is because of their purpose in doing a study like this. what they claim their purpose is. They say, the study's statewide survey also revealed that for the most part, Florida's local government planners and managers don't realize how drastically climate change will impact them financially. But the study's authors write, they hope their work can serve as a wake-up call for state and local governments. We're not forecasting a future. What we're doing is letting people get ahead of that future, we hope, so that local governments can start to say, hey, wait a minute, we need to be preparing ourselves, says co-author William Butler, an associate professor of urban and regional planning at Florida State University. If we can shift how we're developing or how we gain revenues and not be so dependent on property taxes, then we actually have time to solve this problem. Ah, and then they go and ah. they give a whole lot of... Um, a whole lot of governmental advice, how the government should be operated, basically. So, William, is this a study? Is this a scientific study, or is this an opinion paper of how Florida State and Cornell think the Florida government should be run? Yeah, this is, this is we, shouldn't, we should uh, have an income tax, right, and a sales tax, and also, this is a tax proposal, not, a, uh, yeah. not an actual climate study. I mean, I read the article, it wasn't they saying, like, over the next, it was something like, over the next 30 years, 
it's going to rise 10 to 12 inches. Is that every year or every 30 years? Like, what does that even mean? How far does the sea level rise every time there's a hurricane? And, and are those actual <laughs> inches or girl inches? Ah, uh, that's true. <laughs> uh, that's true. 10 to 12 inches. Um, no, I I have no idea, dude. Like, this is all... This all and, and is this from projections, politics. right? Like yeah. this is all from climate models, right? Those yeah. those climate models that have uh, predicted everything so so accurately. Remember, uh, what well, what was the Al Gore movie in in on what truth? Inconvenient truth. Inconvenient truth. And inconvenient yeah. truth is the inconvenient part of that truth that it's not true, right? Remember when everything was going to be under sea sea level after that movie came out. Yeah, Wait, it was supposed to be 30 years, now? right? And it's definitely yeah. been... We, we should have been... Your house should have measurably been underwater by this point. Yeah. I should have never been able to move to Florida. It shouldn't, it shouldn't <laughs> exist. Oh, man. But, I I mean, the... the I have to point out the other thing. I'm going to channel my uh, inner Daniel here. Isn't the fact that... Let's say... Let's accept the premise that the... That it's that the sea level is going to rise ten to twelve inches over the next thirty years, which is uh, on average. Which I guess they mean every year. Um, wouldn't wouldn't freeing up people to build better things and uh, you know technology and innovation be the way to get around that? I mean, we have there are other parts of the world that are under sea level and do just fine. So I think well, we right. can I think that- we can science and engineer our way out of this. I don't think we need to say. Uh, I don't think the answer is let's get rid of, let's not have property taxes alone. Let's uh, tax more things. That'll solve the issue. Right. I mean, what they're not talking about is, do you think the people on the coast are going to want to give up their property and just say, ah, the sea's coming. We can't beat it. Yeah. I'm sure all those people in West Palm beach are going to just, yeah, they're just going to let their mansions go underwater. Right. Yeah. They stay on the coast. I look, I love Florida, but I would never live on the coast because of uh, hurricanes. Right. I think like that's not a good investment unless you have a lot of money because it's going to cost a lot of money insurance wise and to you know, to rebuild because there's a lot of danger. But people stay there. So if they could stay for hurricanes, think about it. Like the last hurricane that hit last fall was what? Category four, category five at that point. And they're still living there. So are they really going to leave because the sea level over 30 years is going to rise 10 to 15 inches, 10 to 12 inches? Yeah, I don't know. But uh, you better be you better be doing your disaster planning, Justin. You know, this is uh, this is uh... I don't need to disaster plan. I live just off Disney property. If Disney's not panicking, I'm not going to panic. OK, uh, that's true. That's true. Well, Disney could but be underwater this... and, and by 2100 by 2100. Do you mean that literally, or do you mean that economically underwater? Oh, economically, they're already underwater. <laughs> I, if I'm alive in 2100, then things are going great, right? Because I don't, I don't expect to last that long. Yeah, but, we, um, yeah, that's the thing that just bothers me the most. All these, all, all these predictions, all these models, we never hold them to the standard. You know, we always, we always fall into the trap of, of starting a bunch of models and then waiting, and when the ones that the ones that don't predict get eliminated and the ones that do predict uh we pretend like they can actually tell us the future when it's all just a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point right like that i could i could create an infinite number of models 20 years ago some of them will uh be correct for the next you know you know some of them will be correct right they will have correctly predicted 20 years uh uh forward but that's just because i did so many models at the beginning right it's just right, especially a, it's, with computers <laughs> yeah it's a, it, it like i i i have made i i it because because you're making a prediction because you're making a prediction that's not testable because you can't control the variables it's a very easy trap to fall in well right and isn't this what the, all those aws those amazon web s- service commercials are about that now we can process data on this level and with what you're yeah. saying it can only ever be a political ad in a political study when you're selecting which models to talk about. And that's yeah. all that's going on here. Because when you talk about the earthquake risk in California, they just laugh it off. But in Florida, we're supposed to take it serious. It, yeah. That's the politics right there, is it not? Yeah, that sure is. 
I mean, maybe maybe if we can collect connect earthquakes to global warming, maybe. All right. Well, you know what we can connect to Donald Trump is a social media influencer who was charged with election interference and is being thrown in jail. So, William, you shared this story. And I think this is funny because of the numbers here. So this says social media influencer Douglas Mackey was sentenced Wednesday to seven months in prison for interfering with the 2016 election. The Justice Department announced that Mackey, who went by the name Ricky Vaughn, on social media was handed a seven month prison sentence after being convicted at a trial for conspiracy against rights. Mackey, who was a supporter of former what? president Trump. Yeah. I don't know what a conspiracy against oh, rights man. is, was convicted of running a scam in 2016 that fooled thousands of people into believing they could vote by text message. Vaughn, who in 2016 had 58,000 followers on the platform previously known as Twitter. By the way, I enjoy the fact that Twitter or X is now like Prince, where it's the artist formerly known as Prince. It's the platform formerly known as Twitter. Uh, He was accused of conspiring with other prominent Twitter users to put out misleading messages encouraging supporters of former presidential Democratic candidate Hillary Clinton to vote through text message or social media. Now, here's the numbers. The Justice Department described an instance in which Vaughn posted a photo of a black woman standing in front of an African-Americans for Hillary sign that stated, avoid the line, vote from home, text Hillary to 59925, and vote for Hillary and be a part of history. It also said it was paid for by Clinton's campaign and had her campaign slogan, I'm with her, included on the tweet. When Election Day rolled around in 2016, the Justice Department said that at least... 4,900 voters had texted Hillary or some variation to the number provided. Now, William, I'm not saying people's rights don't matter, and I'm not saying those people were or were not disenfranchised. You'd still have to convince me that they weren't just dumb, that, you know, and they were actually disenfranchised. But did that make a difference at all? And if we're talking about convincing people ways to vote or not vote, isn't that like what both campaigns do on either side of any election that they try and come up with stupid schemes like this that are within the bounds of legality? I think that this this is we we talk about woke or joke. I think this is this article would qualify because this is clearly parody. Like you can look at it, it's it's clearly a parody. It's got all the parody things on it except for it doesn't have like a parody label on it. This is just like people falling. You're talking about the tweet by Vaughn. Yeah, yeah. Like when is this is a or Mackie? Yeah, whatever his name was. I I think this is we're gonna have the Onion or the Hard Times be charged with the same crime very soon, right? Like they they will write an article about the election and people will uh, claim they've been misled. I mean, who are the? I guess it comes back to who are the victims here, and. What are they a victim of? I mean, isn't this well, an indictment against conspiracy against their rights? Isn't this an, an indictment against uh, teaching civics as well? Knowing that you can't what vote you via text. Well, right. <laughs> there, there, there's. I guess the levels. only thing I can see here is. Did you just auto correct? Uh, hold on, we're looking at the 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 outline live here. Right uh-huh. as we go, and I I copy and paste text from the article that I read. Mm-hmm. That that typo. So there was red underline. The word president was misspelled. That typo was in the actual article. That wasn't I me. I copied and pasted it. Oh, okay, okay. Well, don't feel like I'm correcting you. I just can't stand to look at president. <laughs> but to me, that adds to the farce. Like <laughs> you're sitting here talking about the education system and how and these they can't spell president, better, and they can't even spell president in this article on the hill correctly. Yeah, the only yeah, thing I, mean, I dude, can like, see, the only thing I can see, and it wouldn't even be a criminal thing, is claiming that a tweet was paid for by the Hillary campaign. Right? Like you should parody that as well. But uh, maybe that's what crossed the line. I don't know, Justin, but it doesn't make any sense to me. Are you are you saying it's a criminal action to claim something's been paid? I because that gets into campaign finance, which I'm also uh, not for. So campaign finance. Well, and that's what I was talking to you about the numbers when I said the 4,900 yeah. and, and the, the farce here. And the, this goes back to the last article about it's political. 
And, and and what I mean by that is, out of everything on the internet, this is what you're picking on. Why why this guy? Why this tweet? I don't tweet? know. I don't know. It's, that that's the thing that 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 I keep coming back to is like, how did they pick this guy out of all the parody accounts? Right. Like it, well, it seems I th- I think so strange. It, it, I'm gonna go even a step back from there. I really think William, there is a a segment of population who is still unable to accept the fact that Hillary Clinton lost. And, and what I mean is, my whole life, Hillary Clinton was being built up to be president, right oh, yeah. from the way she handled the the Bill Clinton affairs, the, the you know the. The cheating with Monica Lewinsky, the, the I did not have sex with that that woman, to you know being um, Secretary of State. Everything she went through was to build her up to be president, and then she was rejected so resoundingly by a certain segment of the population that Donald Trump was able to become president. Yeah. Uh, I'm not convinced Donald Trump could have ever been president against any other opponent. I think he just. And maybe to his credit, he identified what was going on. He identified the weak Republican Party, and he identified how terrible of a candidate Hillary Clinton was. And he took advantage of that to become president at, at that time. Maybe I mean, yeah, I think the only the only person who was less likable than Donald Trump was Hillary Clinton. Right. Right. And I mean that. We even talked about that at the time, right? Not wanting to vote between two narcissists. And I think the people who are still obsessed with Donald Trump and the people who are still waging these kind of wars against Mackie or Vaughn or whatever name you want to call him by are just people who need to cope. They need to cope with the fact that she lost. And this is what they're saying. They're saying that, oh, people didn't legitimately not like her. It was there was a cultural conspiracy by the right and by Donald Trump because Donald Trump brainwashed people in the same way that Hitler brainwashed people. And I'm not saying this. I'm saying that this is their argument. This is their argument. Yeah. This is why they have to believe he's so channeling Sam Harris. Right. Exactly. And this is what happened because of it. This is why she lost. I mean, I, th- I think Trump derangement sy- syndrome is as much of a cognate about can't accept that Hillary won as it is hating Trump it, or Hillary lost as it is hating Trump. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, why? Look, until this article, she had gone away in my life. Why? Why is she even still being talked about? How, how is she any different from Bob Dole or Dan Quayle or any candidate who lost in the history of things? Yeah, Al Gore. Right. The difference is there is a cultural machine now that doesn't want to let things go. And the question is, is the cultural machine going to win the battle or not? And that's what we've been talking about. And one of the stories this week, the next thing I wanted to talk about is the whole news that broke about Victoria's Secret. Where CNN has an article called Why Victoria's Secret is Bringing Sexy Back. And essentially... They're one of the articles that tried to, or one of the articles, they're one of the companies that tried to be more inclusive. Except what did they find out, William? That the numbers don't bear out. As Bud Light uh, figured out with Dylan Mulvaney. So this cultural force that was backing Hillary and is pushing this social justice stuff, Mm -hmm. is it ever actually going to win? Or, I ask you, is Go Woke or Go Broke a real thing? I mean, Bud Light, Victoria's Secret. I would argue the new Star Wars trilogy. I would argue what's going on with Disney. Yeah. Is that not evidence that Go Woke, Go Broke is a real thing? Yeah, I think it I think it is. Um, you know, we, we've seen... I, I kind of want to think about it in different terms because it connects to another story um, that I was doing some research on, but I haven't really completely uh, got a good article yet on it. But... There's a lot of noise right now in the video game industry about the sort of like I would classify it as the attack on beauty where they're just making everything so ugly. All the character models yes. are like are just becoming yes. so ugly. And it's uh women and minorities are hardest hit here, and I don't mean that ironically. I mean that literally. Um they feel they look like they've been hit by baseball bats. Um I mean the recent uh, Starfield all the people have googly eyes and they all look the same. Um you've got 
the new Mary Jane and the new Star Wars movie looks like a 40-year-old soccer mom. Um, There's a lot of character models are trying to be super androgynous. Wait, you said the you said the new Mary Jane in the new Star Wars movie. Or in the new Spider-Man. Sorry, new Spider-Man. You had oh. you had me saying Star Wars, uh thinking of Star Wars. Oh. And the well, new are Spider-Man you talking game. about is she modeled after Zendaya? No. No. Yeah, that it, it's a it's a different model. It it's it's there's just all this um in the name of body positivity and inclusiveness, we're just making everything so ugly. And, uh, and people are at least, you know, gaming tends to be ahead of some of the other cultural, uh, you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of ideas go mainstream through gaming. Right. And so there's a lot of people talking about this now and like, why are we making such ugly characters? You know, this pattern has been going on for a while in the industry, but people are really taking note of it now. So, um, Oh, wait, you mean, this is another thing I was way ahead of everyone on. That's why I brought up the Spider-Man thing. When you said it, that's why I latched onto it because what first thing I want to ask you a question, isn't this game, don't they use models of Tom Holland and other Spider-Man in it? Like I thought, I saw a commercial where they had care the Tom Holland Spider Man in it. No, and uh, they had a Miles Morales in there too. No, yeah, they did. Yeah, okay, that's why I was asking about Zendaya. But the other reason I was asking is, remember when Spider Man Homecoming came out? I made this point years ago. What year did Spider Man Homecoming come out? Twenty sixteen. Yeah, right, I'm gonna Google this. But, but remember when I made this point? Twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen. Okay, so what? Six years ago, I made this point. And I talked about how Zendaya, who her career has since gone in this ugly direction. Yeah. Right. When we talk about, um, oh, uh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. The, the, the show that's all about drugs and sex on HBO Max. What's it called? <laughs> all of them. Oh, Euphoria. <laughs> Euphoria. Where she's done Sense8, Euphoria. Euphoria. <laughs> <laughs> and then she had, well, Sense8 was on uh, Netflix. Wasn't oh, sorry. It? Sorry. Uh, you're right. Yeah. No, I was specifically referring to her career. Yeah. And um, then we have her doing that th- weird threesome power movie about the tennis players or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but she, uh, you know, it started with Spider-Man Homecoming, where she's a beautiful young woman. Beautiful young woman. Like if you see her in um, The Greatest Showman or you just see her outside of the movie she's in. But Spider-Man Homecoming made a point of making the love interest ugly on purpose on purpose made her a stoner burnout who not only that remember how she said the washington monument was built by slavery which (laughs) yeah yeah. by the way isn't true like i checked with remember back in the day i checked with our historian friend uh and there's no evidence of that beyond the fact that i mean a lot of stuff had slaves involved with it back then right but that doesn't mean it was like built by slavery in the same way the pyramids were. But this is an intentional thing. But the important thing is we're starting to see the blowback because you yourself, you think that it's too late for Victoria's Secret. And William, I say, whether it's too late or not, isn't it a good thing that a lingerie brand is walking back and realizing the mistake they made that the purpose of their product is to make people look good, not to just support whatever they are now. Because yeah, here's support the thing. Whatever political cause. Yeah, I think right, the advertising, not- the, the political advertising, it's got, it's going to get, like, advertising has to move on at some point. You know what I mean? Like, it can't be the same all the time. Well, right. And I'm saying even a more fundamental point than that. It's not just the political. It's what's the purpose of buying sexy lingerie? What's the purpose of buying lingerie? Isn't it to accentuate yourself and to make yourself more enjoyable for yourself and whoever your partner is? And I, at this point, I don't care what gender or sexuality yeah. your partner is, right? Whatever word you want to use. Exactly. Well, you can't continually market products saying, oh, this is just to love you however you are. That's the antithesis of your product. That's the antithesis, I would say, William, of all marketing. Shouldn't... Yeah benevolent marketing be like look at these video games shouldn't benevolent video games be oh we're gonna give you romanticism we're gonna give you oh an experience that makes your life better and shows you what you could be it's an escape when we're talking about 
benevolent romanticism in video games, right? Here's a world where you can do things that you might not ever be able to in your life for whatever reason. Yeah. Right? Experience, experience your choices. A lot of good games are experience your choices in this imaginary world, right? This imaginary world that it's not possible for you to experience because, yeah. you know, it's it's set in space or there's time travel or there's monsters you're fighting. Like, those are experiences that just are outside the realm of reality. I mean, isn't that why we go to movies? I mean, that's why I enjoy those kind of movies. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm positing it's the same thing for advertising, except that's real. Advertising is saying, hey, we can make this experience you didn't think you could have real. And this is, William, in a way... That we are doing a disservice to the underprivileged or the disabled or whatever term you want to use. Because imagine someone's in a wheelchair and they can't ever run. And you're like, oh, we want to replicate your experience in a game by making a game where you're driving a wheelchair everywhere. Is that really what somebody in a wheelchair wants to do? Play a video game where they're always in a wheelchair? It's just, do you, If you're ugly, do you really want to play a video game where... Everyone is ugly. Don't you want to go and play that game where everyone is good looking and you get to be good looking in the game? And same thing with lingerie. Don't you want to aspire to wear it so it can make your life better and you can have a better romantic and intimate relationship with yourself and your partner? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Yeah, what do I know? I'm just crazy. Oh, man, I'm crazy got... because I had helicopter parents. <laughs> wait, wait. We got Chandler in the chat here. Oh, what did Chandler's Chandler say? All your fault. What did Chandler say? <laughs> he said that Barbie did good. The problem isn't woke, just a correlation. The problem is samey, samey content. And by problem, means samey... financial financial disappointment. People don't see new movies or buy new games because they're boring and predictable, not because oh. people are taking in ideological stand well that's true <laughs> i i mean i agree with that it's the same thing over and over yeah. and over again so it's not well, the go woke go bro that, that, go, that goes back to the part that you know i've brought up on previous shows of we've entered sort of a new age of classicism right like every story has the same story beats every story yes. has the same yes lack of character development right the the protagonist is uh is awesome just the way they are if only they could learn that they are awesome right um there's no it, it, it we've fallen into that into into this uh social justice classicism and so it's not necessarily the rejected the politics and i think that's a great point that chandler brings up it's it's the it's not chandler it's chandler chandler pardon me there you jesus go. chandler it's all your fault all right <laughs> no i look i agree i don't think it's rejecting the politics uh qua politics right I, I think when he's talking about samey, samey content, which is an interesting concept he's sort of come up with here, um, I think samey, samey is not just that it's, like you said, the same story beats and everything, but it's what I'm saying. It's the same thing as in life, right? This is my ultimate rejection of naturalism, is who mm-hmm. wants to watch a story about, oh, I believe my life has no, I have no power over my life and I'm at the, the mercy of everything, therefore I want to watch a story about that. So I would say it's go woke, go broke in the sense of the samey, samey. I, I would say those are the, 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 the same. It's just I think he's properly putting the angle on it, the mm-hmm. lens on it, where yeah. it's not about the politics. It's about the, the ideas, if that makes sense. Let's get into it, your helicopter parents. You want to get into the, the helicopter parents? Well, I don't know how much my parents were helicopter parents, but... You sent another interesting article in from Reason article, Reason magazine here, Reason website, where they they really care about the freedom of children. And I don't know about maybe their groomers, and I'm being facetious here, right? Set set them free so they can do whatever they want. But um, it, it's very interesting. So Peter Gray, David F. Lancey, and David F. Bjorklund write in Decline in Independent Activity as a Cause of Decline in Children's Mental Well-Being, Summary of the Evidence, published this year in Journal of Pediatrics. The paper points... Uh, hold to- on. Let's just appreciate that, because I know, I, you know, rarely do I get to praise a Reason article, because it's usually, usually quite a mixed bag, if not negative. But, boy, is this study headline, like... That hits home with things that we've been talking about on the show for years. 
Oh, yeah. I think this entire article and I think the angle that you've been finding reason going lately is, is very relevant to what we're saying. And I think it's actually relevant to to what we were just talking about. I yeah. mean, helicopter parenting. I mean, what about helicopter morality? Isn't that what <laughs> Chandler is talking about? Isn't everyone rejecting being told the same thing over and over and over again? Yes. Huh. So the paper points to evidence of declining mental health leading to more social media use rather than the other way around. In fact, lead author Gary or lead author Gray, a Boston College psychology professor elsewhere speculates that a decline in the suicide rate for boys from about 1990 to 2005 might be attributed to the development of video games that brought a renewed sense of freedom, excitement, mastery and social connectedness to the lives of children and teens thereby improving their mental health. So I think, William... 100% correct. 100% correct. So I agree with what you're saying, and I think to me there's it's very specious here, right? Now, that doesn't mean it's true, but the idea that when your mental health declines, you go to social media because you're looking for an escape from your daily life, and it feels different. And we're talking about the Chandler principle of samey-samey. Isn't social media the place where things feel different than your normal life? Isn't that what influencers are selling? Isn't that what these platforms are selling? And if we're talking about all video games and all movies and all shows being the same as what you go through all the time, and advertising, isn't the one place you're going to get something different and feel like you're not stuck social media? Yeah. Yeah. And I hate to I, I hate to bring it up, but you know what changed uh, in the uh, from the 1990 2000s into the 2010s? It was Gamergate. It was this constant like the decay of uh, uh, in the video game um, uh, communities, this push to uh, politicize and 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 left to, you know, feminize and, and uh, th- those spaces. Right. And and we've talked about it before about men not having and boys not having boys spaces right uh you couldn't the things the things that you see every game doing right now is is all about safety and protection and it's just crazy right like it's it's taking out any sort of social um aspect just to give you an example like you used to be able in xbox live you used to be able to party up for your next uh halo match right that feature is just not available anymore. You can't say, "Oh, I liked this team. I'm gonna, I'm gonna join this team for the next round." Right? Of random strangers. Right? There's tons of stuff like that that is just gone. It's not gone because of a like technology reason. It's gone because of in the name of safety. Right? I mean, hell, League League of Legends can't have voice chat. Right? It's not because there's not the technology is not there. Other games have it. Valorant has it. It's because of safety. Uh, they took away pings in League of Legends because people were quote unquote abusing them by pinging things. Meanwhile, like actual players like that use that ping as part of their like moves to like help coordinate the team, they just can't do that anymore. It's it's crazy. Well, William, this is where I get conspiratorial. Right? And it to me it's not about the woke stuff. To me it's not about the, you know, collectivism. I see all of that as a tool. Because what you're talking about is directly related to the conclusion of this article. And what I mean by that is the difference even more fundamentally than what you're talking about in the video game industry, which is real and important and a good signpost in our society. The difference is fear. People have been inculcated with fear in our generation, which is terrifying to say now because our generation are the parents that are the helicopter parents were raised in a culture of fear, so now they're afraid of what would happen with their kids. Because they seem to forget when they had more freedom that nothing bad happened, but they've been told their whole life that bad things are going to happen. And this is what Gray is saying. I, you know, conspir- I, think it's, I think it's one, just to like even put a little twist on it, it's because we're minimizing or we're maximizing safety instead of minimizing having well-adjusted children. Right. Like you're you're it's a it's a min max thing. Right. We're, we're min maxing on safety instead of how how to raise independent citizens, independent, you know, children into. Yeah, and, but that's that's the premise right there. It They don't want this is the conspiracy. They do not want independent citizens 
They want people dependent on what? Me. My money, no. apparently. No. Yeah, because they the take government. it to pay it for the government. <laughs> Correct. It, yeah, okay, if we're going that far down, yes. Uh, but they don't realize that, right? That's where we right. get into the Randy and Atlas Shrug stuff. But my point is, everybody is being raised to be dependent on the government. And the best way, it's the old trick of religion, right? Oh, life is harsh. Life sucks. Become dependent on God. Have we just not replaced God with the government? Yeah. I mean, that's what this, look, from the, uh, from the, the article. Parents today are regularly subjected to messages about the dangers that might befall unsupervised children and the value of high achievement in school. The, the school, of course, being government schools, right? But they hear little of the countervailing messages that if children are to grow up well adjusted, they need ever increases opportunities for independent activity, including self-directed play and meaningful contributions to family and community life, which are signs that they are trusted, responsible, and capable. In other words, they need to develop self-esteem. They need opportunities to A, experiment with the world. Trial and error. Assess the world with their five senses, process the data, see what's going to happen, make predictions, and then fail or succeed based on that. They also need space to, when they mess up, realize it's not the end of the world and things will be fine. We're taking these extreme events and we're acting like that's the norm, right? Now, don't get me wrong. I think Hollywood is corrupt and I think there was a lot of taking advantage of actresses in the way of harvey weinstein but let's not act like the large majority of people in hollywood were doing that to women do you get what i'm saying but that's what we act like we act like everyone out there is predatory and this is where as you were saying the attack on masculinity comes from the concepts of going into the world justin i can't imagine being a guy and turning 16 and not scrambling to get your driver's license that independence that that gave you right yep and there are lots and, of i can tell you there are lots yeah, of kids who don't I, I can't imagine that dude when i was when i was 14 15 i was begging to drive right on, the, on my learner's yeah. permit right because i wanted to be ready right i wanted and, and that's to, what i, I wanted to be saying. able to, to 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 control that on my own and that's what I was saying about, you know, the, my joke about helicopter parents. You know, my parents knew what I was doing and told me what I could do and set very strict rules. But to their credit, it was never a question. I was going to get my driver's license. Because guess what? Me having more freedom benefited them. They could send me to the store at 16 and say, go pick up milk so I don't have to do it on the way home from work when I'm tired. So it was never a question. And that's not narcissistic. That's just the cycle of life. This is part of our success as a society that we live till 90 now. We live till 80 now. So kids used to have full on families at 16. This 16 used to be midlife. Now it's extended adolescence because of all this. And what are we blaming instead? We're blaming social media when maybe social media is the outcome, not the cause. Yeah. Well, I know, I know it, we're, we may, we may talk about it next week, but let's remember this because I think it hits that Mark Andreessen article that we're thinking about doing next week as well. This connects with that really well. Yeah. It, I mean, it connects with a lot of things and, you know, people may have problems with reason, but like we say with everything we talk about here, we go, we look at all the sources and I mean, I think this is an interesting angle. Of course, everything is, you know, it's, it's, it's cyclical. And what I mean by that is, you may be drawn to social media because of your depression and your parenting the way your parents are, but it's only going to increase the cycle. It's only going to add to it, right? Because if you have no self-esteem and then you're constantly watching stuff about how life could be better, well, then what are you going to do? Hate yourself more. So it yeah. certainly adds to it, right? It's a, it's a terrible, terrible, terrible cycle, but we need to start addressing what are the messagings we're sending about self-esteem, and that, that's what I love so much about what you're saying and w- what you sent in. And this is the thing that's craziest to me of all, William. What I was saying about like our generation being the parents. I, obviously, I never would have thought about this when I was growing up. But isn't it crazy? I don't know. Maybe we were different. But I most wanted, like you said, 
I was yearning for that self-esteem, that freedom, right? The ability to trust myself where everyone was just telling me I was wrong and I wasn't good enough. Isn't it crazy now that our peers are the ones who are even more with that messaging? Or Mm -hmm. is that just what happens with most people? Most people just double down and repeat what they've been told their whole life. Yeah, I don't know because it's it's hard to it's hard to think like generally racially in that sort of uh uh aggregate. Like you know, I think about my family and my parents' parents were baby boomers, right? And they were super controlling and very helicoptery, right? They 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 were they were very religious, right? They were a Southern Baptist family, and so we had lots uh, in 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 lots of ways we had lots more freedom than what they grew up with okay now at the same time there were very strict boundaries right like you, you know i had i grew up on a farm i couldn't there were certain places i couldn't go right i, I like i i remember rebelling uh you know i never got to stay at anyone's house right they always had to stay at my house um and there were a lot of there were a lot of holdovers from that controlling nature right but at the same time, there was tons of independence, right? Like I said, I loved getting my license at 16. I, I, I had proven that I was responsible enough for my parents. I could basically, everyone, everyone knew where I was because the big green van I was driving. And uh, so, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't really get into trouble, but I could go do the things I wanted to do, right? And, and I don't think we have that anymore. Part of it is, I, part of it is this obsession with, like they point out in the, in the article with um, being the most conforming, right? Conforming to the educational uh, standard, get trying to get drive to high performance. And then there's just everything else. If you're not in that, then you're, you're just lost. Right. And uh, it's, it's, I don't know. It's uh, it, I, it. If you think about what the next generation is going to look like, I think you have to think of it in terms of this, you know, for lack of a better word, sort of generational issue, generational trauma sort of thing, right? Like right now we have just a bunch of folks that are just getting beat up by this very cluster B society, right? Yeah. And and so I don't know what the consequences of that are going to be. Yeah, it'll be interesting to track going forward. All right, as we go forward, let's talk about more of this samey-samey content in... The Hopeful Bromantic with JML. Put me into syndication, broadcast to a network station of people viewing their favorite episodes. I can't find a new pitch to throw the studio. I need a rerun to better cast the next series of events. In the air timeline laps, my made-for-TV type was written off. In the last season when I wasn't focused on as always, if you'd like to join the conversation with us during the week, you can do so by joining our Discord channel. As you saw, Chandler is listening in live. You too can do that. You can watch some trailer takedown trailers when I post them, and you can suggest some story ideas. So we're not just talking about what William finds all week. All right, what William finds all week. So go to the midside.com or the midside.com slash podcast, click on any episode link, and in there is the Midside Discord join code so this week i want to review a movie that my wife found we weren't sure what we were going to see because william you know what the big thing is in theaters right now no what is it the taylor swift era tour (laughs) you didn't want to go see that (laughs) no my wife saw that last weekend without me but even this weekend like as we were walking through the theater like you could hear taylor swift music blasting from everywhere and they were like girls dressed up man like i mean i guess it's cool like you know a side effect of barbie and taylor swift as much as i don't like either of those things especially taylor swift i actually think i dislike taylor swift more than the barbie movie even though the barbie movie personally attacked me uh is i mean it's a good thing that like people are getting excited to get dressed up and go to the movie theater right like rather than just show up in like the laziest like pajamas they're actually going in public dressing up, so that's a good yeah. thing. Yeah, cosplaying but, as beautiful girls. Yes. <laughs> wow, I guess that's the gay perspective on things, huh? The gay, not queer perspective, just to be clear. The queer perspective would say Thank everyone you. is beautiful. 
Yeah. Well, I, I don't want us to do. Uh, but let's let's take the heteronormative approach all the here. time, like all the time. <laughs> can't help it, man. I can't help it. Why do you hate me? I can't <laughs> help it, everyone. Okay, so my wife found a movie called Soulmates. Uh, this movie is two people wake up, they're chained to each other, and they have to go through a maze together. And the maze is supposedly a matchmaker helping them fall in love. This is my one-sentence review. If you put Saw, Escape Room, and a Tyler Perry movie into a blender, you'd end up with Soulmates. And that description should tell you all you need to know about the movie's quality. Now, what I mean by that is, I don't want you to think this is a terrible movie. It's not a terrible movie. But it's also not an amazing movie. It's a lot of, as Chandler was saying, everything I just said is very samey-samey. Right? We've seen Escape Room. We've seen Saw. We've seen Tyler Perry movies. Uh, the two characters, one's a, a black woman and one's a white male. This is all the same beats that everything has been hitting over and over and over again, but it is competently made. Like you want to see it continue. You want to see what happens. There is a point in the movie where you think it's over and then it keeps going and you're like, why isn't this over yet? And then there's a twist. Now, don't want to spoil anything, but this is what I will say. While it is competently made, there are problems with this movie. Does it have spectacle? Yes. But the spectacle, as I said, is something everything that's been seen before. Is there an attempt at catharsis? Yes. But there's a lot of clunkiness going on in the execution here, in the execution of the writing, the execution of the acting, the production design. They do hand wave away the production design and the art design and the, the special effects as a plot device. Again, I don't want to spoil and go into it, but there are much worse experiences you could have at the movies. If there's nothing else to see, yeah, this would probably be a movie I would suggest on seeing on Netflix, but I would overall, I would give this a bro rating. This is three out of five stars. So again, am I going to tell you to rush out and see Soulmates? No, but it's sort of an interesting premise. It's just the execution of it is done in a way that's been done before, and um, it's not the highest quality of execution. Whether that has to do with budget or not, I don't know. Uh, this seemed to have a lot of the Russo's names all over this, so I guess it's good the Russo's are getting stuff like this in theaters, and it was based on a short story. So this is sort of like a long Black Mirror episode. So again... Soulmates, three out of five stars. This is a bro rating. Was there something you wanted to say, William? I thought I heard you starting to talk. Nope, nope. Okay, so you want to go into trailer takedown then? Let's do it. All right, so in the tra- in the Discord on Saturdays before we record, I put the trailers. I put them there for you to watch them when you want. You can watch them before the episode, after the episode, during the episode. Maybe you watch a trailer Pause, we talk about it. Watch a trailer, pause, we talk about it. Trailer takedown. First trailer. Anyone But You is a movie by Sony that stars two pretty people who don't like each other and are forced into a situation together, and then presumably they start to like each other. I have no idea. This is this is a marketing question, William. I have no idea why this teaser was put out beyond the fact that maybe the film has to be behind schedule or something because this entire trailer is nondescript it's a teaser but it tells us nothing specific about this movie beyond literally there are two pretty people who are put into a situation together we don't even know what the situation is it's implied that they're going to a wedding right is it i don't know i I mean i guess they're they're dressed up nicely but i i guess i don't know it just we're gonna talk about samey samey no one's going to see this unless there's some sort of unique hook to this. Tackle. Tackle. Yeah, I think you summarized it. It's pretty people and then maybe some physical comedy by punching someone in the balls. I don't know. Is that supposed to make men want to watch it? I don't I don't know. It looks kind of boring. Tackle. Tackle. Second trailer. Monster Nato, when you want to talk about samey-samey here, uh, is exactly what it sounds like. It's a low-budget, high-concept 
continuation. I don't think it's a literal continuation, but it's just like, what if instead of a Sharknado, we had giant tornadoes that had monsters in them? And then most of the monsters they show in the trailer are sharks. I don't get it. I don't get who made this. I don't get who marketed it. I don't get who they think the audience is for this. Tackle. Tackle. The the effects on this look absolutely dog shit. Like it's not but it's not like B movie laugh at it dog shit. It's just like what are you thinking kind of dog shit. I am going to tackle this. Tackle third trailer. If you were last is a sci-fi romantic comedy starring Anthony Mackie of Marvel Fame, where him and a female athlete athlete astronaut I apologize, are stuck in a space station together. And even though they're both married, they start contemplating whether they should be together because they're apparently stuck in the space station. Um, You want to talk about terrible production value? This is literally, they just skinned a sci-fi plot on this, and it's just like, let's find out an excuse for two people to cheat on their spouses, and we'll make an entire movie of it. Are they going to make it so these people actually are in love? I have no idea if they do. I'm starting to feel bad about these movies where we make these people married and that happens. Like, what what are we saying? I don't know. I don't want to go super Christian or anything, but what are we saying about the institution of marriage and what people think of relationships? If it's all just contextual. I mean, there's literally a line in the trailer here where he goes, you know, he, he describes the situation and goes, if that's not worth a hall pass, I don't know what is. Nothing's worth a hall pass. You committed. Yeah. Now, yep. if you want to somehow get a message and say, I free you because we shouldn't be together because our context has changed, that's fine. But don't act like you're still committed. And then, again, to return, the production value of this is terrible. It, they're obviously sets, and the sci-fi is nothing more than trappings. This is one of those setting needs to be integrated. And if you want it to be a science fiction movie, make the science fiction matter beyond, oh, they're stuck in space together. You could have done any other number of ways of doing this. Why are they on a space station? Tackle. Tackle. Running out of tackles. Um, this, if the There's previous... There's a football joke in there somewhere. <laughs> if the previous one was uh, bad but not laughably bad, the this one is laughably bad. The effects are laughably bad. I think that... I could do better effects in Unreal Engine by myself, and I am no artist. Uh, I think you're 100% correct. I always want, I'm always more open to sci fi than I am to uh, horror comedy, as an example, as a tease. I, you, you think this would be something that I would watch just because it has sci fi elements in it. But like you said, there's no sci fi elements in this, right? Right. This is just isolation. It's, there's no sci fi in this. No, right, it's not science fiction. Yeah, it's not science fiction. And it's just stupid. So, tackle. Tackle! Fourth trailer. Candy Cane Lane is a Christmas movie starring Eddie Murphy, in which he wishes to have the best Christmas ever, but it's teased that things will go wrong because, you know, he wasted his wish. First of all, the things they all named, like his family's like, that's what you wish for, the best Christmas ever? And the the things that they named, they're like, you didn't ask for, like, the end of climate change or world peace or these are things that can't be solved. Like, I, I really think just to get on my high horse a little bit here, because that's what I do on this podcast. That's what I do in the midside. I really think society would be solved if we actually started teaching healthy thought patterns in the sense that we won't ever solve hunger we won't ever solve peace we won't ever solve economic inequality these are things that are just conditions of life that necessarily must exist and then people would get happier now in regards to this movie i'm hoping because it's a christmas movie that at the end they learned that that was a good thing for him to wish for because actually that goes to healing the world more than it does to hurting it so all the things they were complaining about would get better if people had a good christmas and the production quality looks good on this this may ultimately just be a big budget hallmark style christmas movie starring eddie murphy but you know what that's the kind of thing that i might be okay with watching during the christmas season 
So this is one I actually would give a chance, especially instead of watching all the Hallmark Christmas movie my wife watches, I can say to her, why don't we watch Candy Cane Lane with Eddie Murphy instead? So this would be a Netflix and hug. Netflix and hug. Yeah, this seems benevolent. And that's all I look for in a Christmas movie. And it's new. And it looks like it could be fun. Although I am very skeptical of it, Justin. So, like, I don't know. Maybe it's the cynicism. Maybe it's because I've watched so many bad uh, trailers before this. Um, I, I, I worry that there won't be any laughs, but I'm hopeful. So I don't need laughs at a Christmas movie. I need you to pretend that you're trying to have laughs. And I go, I see what you're going for. But it's so (laughs) benevolent that I don't care. Dude, watch some Uh, Hallmark movies. You'll get what I mean. Oh, man. Yeah, you definitely have a lower bar. Uh, But much like you, I think this one deserves a Netflix and hug. Final trailer. It's a Wonderful Knife is a horror comedy by the co-writer of Freaky and Happy Death Day starring Justin Long. There is a town where Christmas is a big deal and there is a serial killer in it, except a young lady stops the serial killer. Then later on, and this is the one point in the trailer I kind of have issue with, so I'd like to see how they execute this in the actual movie, she starts to not value herself and wishes she had never existed. We see here the parallel to the movie It's a Wonderful Life. Well, what happens is, when she does that, that comes true, and the serial killer now exists. And every Christmas, the serial killer is committing murders in that town the trailer reveals that the killer is justin long and that's one of the things i like about this trailer is that this is a horror comedy movie where we know who the slasher villain is and we have a unique invented premise here in the same style of happy death day to you and freaky and totally killer and i also see that the same writer is writing a horror comedy with time travel as well i think he's probably mad totally killer beat him to it but i think this movie looks excellent and i'm interested to see because this writer and i can't remember his name did freaky with christopher landau and now he's going out on his own how good will this movie be without the input of christopher landau who we saw did an excellent movie with uh we have a ghost so i am interested in this for multiple reasons one i think justin long looks tremendous in this Two, it's horror comedy. Three, it has an inventive premise. Four, I want to see how this artist does on his own. This is something I am hugely excited for. And I I even love the tongue-in-cheek name. The name is stupid. It's ridiculous. But it's supposed to be. Hug. Hug. Yeah, I've said it before. Horror comedy is just not my thing. I do like the premise. I think it looks interesting. But honestly, Justin, this is something I wouldn't watch unless I'm maybe on a plane and bored. Dude, even like you look at the way like the 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 killer is called the angel and the way he's dressed. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. There's no criticism I have. It's just I don't know. I just there's there's something about this genre that just doesn't connect with me. So I will very very lightly tackle it. Tackle. All right, that brings us to the end of this trip. What did we learn, William? That uh, that you only bring me on this show so I can tackle horror comedies. Justin, what did you learn this trip? I learned that I have to make a list of horror comedies for you to watch so you can understand <laughs> why they're great. I think that may be what I get uh, you for Christmas. Well, if you too want to make a list of horror comedies for me to watch, join our Discord. And when you join the Discord, I can thank you personally for listening to and supporting the show. That is how I feel less like a crazy person who loves horror comedies. There's got to be other people. They keep making them. So I can't be the only person who loves horror comedies. <laughs> you're, you're holding up the genre by yourself. I might be, but that's okay. I just don't make me shrug. right? Don't make me feel like a crazy person that I am talking in the corner of my closet. Uh, if you want to support my love for horror comedy, go to the midside.com slash store, the midside.com slash Patreon, the midside.com slash locals. That's how we keep the lights on. You can also buy my book at the midside.com slash the cut. And maybe if you join discord, I'll tell you all about a horror comedy concept. I have an idea for, and also a Hallmark movie. I have an idea for 
It's called It Never Snows in Florida. All right, tell a friend. That's how we grow the show, especially if we tell a female friend. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emlesneski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Have a nice free day. Man, we went through the whole show and didn't mention Blink-182 released a new album this week. That's because you know that I think Blink-182 is the most <laughs> overrated pop-punk band. Oh, they uh, they might be. Uh, and I watched some of their interviews, and boy, are they awkward together. So uh, I don't know how much longer they'll, they'll be together. But hey, at least they got another album out. That's cool. You know who else released another album? Boys Like Girls. And I've had Ooh. it on repeat. It's tremendous. Check that out. I will check that one out next.